Welcome to Linda's Corner, a podcast created to inspire hope, increase joy, and motivate positive change. Hi, my name is Linda Bjork. I'm an author, teacher, speaker, blogger, and founder and executive director of Hope for Healing, which is a nonprofit charity designed to help alleviate symptoms of depression and anxiety, relieve stress, build confidence and self esteem, and heal relationships. You can learn more by visiting our website at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. For today's episode, I'm going to share a segment from one of my books called Crushed. If you're joining us for the first time, I would suggest that you start at the first podcast, since stories tend to make more sense when you read them, or listen to them, in order from the beginning to the end. Chapter 8. The Retreat. Day 1. The next three days were akin to drinking out of a fire hose. There was so much information that although I was taking notes as fast as I could, I knew that I didn't understand most of it enough to be able to apply it. I'll share a few highlights here and then go into more detail later on as I actually started to put them into action. Suzanne began by sharing her story of how she met and fell in love with her handsome husband, but soon after their marriage, A series of events and miscommunications built walls between them. They were committed to staying together, but neither felt safe or understood by the other. Other life events compounded her burden. In one instance, a person came to her house and criticized her so severely that after this person left, she crumpled to the ground, too weak to hold herself up. She sobbed inconsolably and thought she'd never recover. I could empathize with that feeling. I, too, had been crumpled on the ground in sobbing, inescapable misery. I felt sad that Suzanne had endured such a horrible experience. But I also felt something else. I felt like I was not alone. If she had felt that way and recovered, then perhaps there was hope for me. She talked about her experience being introduced to the Emotion Code body code and how she had helped her daughter overcome the trauma of being caught in a devastating typhoon in the Philippines. She wanted to be able to help her husband overcome the trauma from his tragic upbringing. Both his parents had died when he was still young. But he wouldn't have anything to do with it. Shocking, isn't it? She laughed with exaggerated sarcasm. He didn't want me to fix him. Nobody wants to be controlled or manipulated or fixed, even when we think it's for their good. The only one we have power to change is ourselves. She talked about being introduced to trainings by Kirk Duncan, owner of Three Key Elements, where she learned about mentoring and how to help people make lasting changes in their lives through empowerment and release techniques. He opened her eyes to what she had been missing, a way to find and heal the roots of these negative emotions and then replace them with positive, high energy. She continued with additional training and wanted to expand her business to help others more effectively. But the thought came to her that she couldn't help others until she had healed herself and her marriage first. So she dedicated herself to self-healing. She worked with a mentor and spent an hour or more a day applying the tools and techniques that she had been taught. It has been nearly a year since I made that decision, and it has changed my life. Where would you like to be a year from now? 
She talked about feeling compelled, almost against her will, to attend a women's retreat, and at the conclusion, a single thought overpowered her. Now, it's your turn. You need to host a retreat. So she began to act, first creating an image in her mind of what she wanted the event to be like. She made an audio recording of her after story, the story she hoped to see fulfilled in the future. I wanted it to be in a beautiful place, she said. I wanted a picture window view of the mountains with blue sky, sunshine, and a few wispy clouds. I wanted 20 women to attend who needed to be here and that I would have something of value for each of them. In my recording, I'm not wishing for it to be so. I'm speaking as if it already happened. I listened to my recording every day and acted to make it happen. I did my best, but it wasn't enough. A few weeks ago, very few had signed up and I was worried that it would be a flop. I apologized to my husband because I had invested our money into reserving these condos with no apparent hope of recovering costs. My husband is very budget conscious and carefully scrutinizes our purchases. I thought I'd be in trouble, but was surprised by his answer. I don't care about the money. You have healed our home. You are able to diffuse any conflict in our home, and you can even diffuse me. I am so grateful for what you've done for our family. What you're doing is such a wonderful thing, and I support you 100%. I was in awe. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to have that kind of support and understanding from my husband. Even though things didn't look like they would work, I kept moving forward as if they would, she continued. Then, right before the retreat was to begin, things began to fall into place. And here we are. Look around the room. We had 22 people signed up, and two weren't able to make it, so that makes 20, which is exactly what I asked for. Look out that wall of windows at the mountain and notice the blue sky and sunshine and those wispy little white clouds over there. The after story that I had created in my mind is coming to pass. Thank you so much for coming and for helping to create this beautiful experience we're sharing together. She taught that we're not helpless victims resigned to simply endure. We have the power to create the life we want, a life of happiness. And there are three basic keys to happiness, identity, relationships, and progression. We each have our own unique energetic balance made up of the positive and negative emotions we are filled with. The positive emotions are like deposits and the negative like withdrawals from a bank account, she said as she drew an outline of a person on a large pad of paper set up on an easel, filling the outline with plus signs and minus signs. If we have a lot of positives and a few negatives, we have a high energy balance allowing us to live an energized, happy, and fulfilled life. If we have a low level of positives with a lot of negatives, we are left with a low energy balance that leaves us feeling low self-esteem, depressed, and drained. Now, take each of the different aspects of our identity, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, and social, and write down how you feel your current balance is in each area. Is it high or low? Which areas could use some improvement? I looked down at the figure that I had drawn in my own notebook and knew the answer wasn't good, 
I have a low balance in every area. If you want to improve your balance, then you need to add positives and get rid of negatives. It isn't enough to just get rid of the negatives. She drew a horizontal line with a dip in it. There is a law called the law of the vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum, and whenever we have a hole or a void, it naturally tends to fill up with negative, because negative thoughts and emotions are so prevalent and all around us. I am trained in the body code, where I help people identify and release negative emotions, and I've had a lot of success, yet I was baffled that I needed to clear the same negative emotions from my clients over and over again. It wasn't until I learned about the law of the vacuum that I understood that although removing the negative is a necessary element of healing, it isn't enough. You have to add positive thought and emotions. She shared several ways we could do this through nature, exercise, music, and serving others. During this retreat, I'm going to teach you a few more simple tools to increase your positive balance in your emotional bank account. We'll start with declarations. She paused to take a sip of water. One thing you don't ever want to say is, what's wrong with me? Because your subconscious will start searching. Okay, she said, mimicking a subconscious voice. She wants to know what's wrong with her. Search all programs and locate all her faults, and it will find them. Don't ever say that again. Instead, say, what did I do right today? And the subconscious will get to work searching for what you did right. This helps promote that positive emotional balance. She tore off the sheet of paper that she'd been drawing on and started a new page. Okay, I want to explain the law of vibration, she said, and began to explain that the law of vibration states that anything that exists in our universe, whether seen or unseen, broken down and analyzed in its purest and most basic form, consists of pure energy or light which resonates and exists as a vibratory frequency or pattern. All matter has its own vibrational frequency. The thoughts, feelings, and actions we choose also have their own particular rates of vibration. Our energy can move at a very high vibrational frequency, which will bring us more health, happiness, and prosperity, or at a very low vibrational frequency, which will bring us the opposite. Emotions like shame, guilt, Apathy and depression have very low vibrational frequencies, while positive emotions like love, joy, and peace have very high vibrational frequencies. Sometimes you can feel the vibrations of another person, although you may not realize that's what you're feeling, she said. Have you ever had someone walk in the room and you could just feel that they were angry without saying a single word? How about when someone enters the room and they're radiating happiness and excitement? What you're feeling is the vibration of that emotion emanating from the person. Next, she talked about the law of attraction, the belief that by focusing on positive or negative thoughts, a person brings positive or negative experiences into their life. What we send out comes back to us amplified and multiplied. If we're sending out thoughts or vibrations of worry, then it comes back multiplied as anxiety, she said. If we send out thoughts or vibrations of sadness, then it comes back multiplied as depression. I paused to think about that. I had been extremely worried and devastatingly sad. 
which had indeed grown into anxiety and depression. Was I really attracting anxiety and depression? If so, then, in a way, I did this to myself. I wasn't sure that I liked that answer. It is so much easier to blame outside circumstances. I guess the flip side of that is that I should be able to have the power to do something about it. Which do I want more? To be proactive and heal? Or to be validated in my misery? That question is so much harder to answer when you're in it than when you're watching from the outside. Suzanne drew a stick figure on the board surrounded by a circular bubble. The space inside this bubble is our comfort zone. The size of our comfort zone can vary greatly from person to person, and it can be enlarged or contracted. She referred to the figure on the board and explained further. When we struggle with our identity, then our comfort zone collapses. We may not feel comfortable anywhere. I paused to think about that one as well. That was certainly true for me. Situations that had once been easy and comfortable are now very painful and uncomfortable. Did that correlate with struggling with my identity? She circumscribed this bubble with a second, larger bubble. This bubble represents our growth zone. We have to step outside of our comfort zone in order to be able to grow. When we step outside our comfort zone into the growth zone, it enlarges our comfort zone. We can choose growth or we can simply let life do it for us. We're going to grow one way or another. That's what this life experience is all about. She compared it to a boat without a motor, rudder, or sails being tossed and blown by the wind and the waves. The current and the waves may take us to our destination eventually, but how much better it is when we participate in the steering and propulsion. She took the comparison to another level by suggesting that instead of being tossed as a rudderless boat, we could be flying to our destination in a jet plane. Now, let's talk about how to increase the energy balance of each different aspect of our identity, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, and social. We're going to begin with our physical identity, she said. In the journey to love yourself, you need to learn to love your body. Like most women, I have things about my body that I don't love. And although there are many things about it that are wonderful, in the past, all I could see were my flaws. One day, I had an epiphany, she went on. The thought came to me that my body is not me. My soul or spirit has existed forever, while my body has only existed for a few decades. Compared to my spirit, it's just a baby. I would never treat a baby the way that I criticize my body. I learned that I need to love and nurture it like a child. I need to be kind to my body. Those aspects that I didn't love before are still there, but they don't bother me anymore. I can honestly say that I love my body. It is perfect. Not in the way that the magazines would define perfection, but it is perfect for me. Your body is perfect for you. Our bodies are wonderful and beautiful, and we should love them and care for them. Then she listed on the board some of the things we can do to nurture our bodies. The food that we eat is the fuel or energy for our body to use. She emphasized that food 
that is alive gives more energy. So fresh vegetables and fruits obviously give more energy than cooked and processed food. This is another place where we need to add positive and get rid of negative in order to have a positive balance in our body. Water is necessary. Energy flows through water. A general rule to determine how much water our body needs is to weigh ourselves and divide that number in half. That determines how many ounces of water our body needs to function optimally. For most people, it's about 8 8 8-ounce glasses per day. Getting adequate sleep is necessary for our bodies and is crucial for healing. Exercise is important. Caring about our appearance is important. You have to get up, shower, get ready, put on your makeup, and fix your hair. It matters. It affects the way you feel, she emphasized. Another thing we can do to nurture our body is by releasing negative energies. This can be done through the body code, but you can do it yourself through writing letters to your body and then writing your body's response back. You can write to your body in general or to specific parts. Write until you can't think of anything else to say and then move the pen to the next line and wait. Ideas will come to your mind. Just write them down. This is your body's response. We're going to try that now. Take out a piece of paper. I'll give you a few minutes to write whatever you feel about your body. She played soft music while giving us time to write. Chapter 9. Body Shame My letter began, Dear Body, I'm not sure where to begin. I'd like to thank you for sight. I'm thankful to be able to see the beauties of nature and to be able to see my family. I am thankful for my eyes. I continued with gratitude for the senses and everything else I could think of, but the time ran out before I finished, and I certainly didn't have time to write my body's response. Later that day, after classes were over, the ladies wanted to socialize in the hot tub. The condo has a beautiful series of hot tubs, all of varying temperatures, connected by waterfalls. I purposefully had not brought a swimming suit because I had no intention of socializing. But when I declined, explaining that I hadn't brought a suit, my mother undermined my plan by saying that she had brought an extra and offered it to me. I felt the peer pressure to join, but to say that the borrowed suit was unflattering on me is an understatement of epic proportion. I wanted to hide and disappear. It was not a relaxing soak for me at all. When I felt a reasonable amount of time had passed not to cause offense, I quickly wrapped up in a towel and headed back to my room. After I dried, I grabbed my notebook with my unfinished letter to my body and scribbled, I got in the hot tub today with the ladies and I was so ashamed of you. Why do you need to be so fat? I had tried to be positive in my letter, but I guess my true feelings about my body are very negative. I had a long way to go to love my body. Was that really possible? After talking about the physical aspects of identity, Suzanne moved to the spiritual aspects of identity. She talked about the principles of agency and accountability. Agency is choice, and it is the power to create the life we want. She drew a series of concentric circles on the board. In the center circle, she wrote self and God. When we're establishing our identity, we have a tendency to compare ourselves with others. But in order to have a solid foundation of self-worth, it really needs to start with our relationship with God. We can't look sideways for our identity. 
We need to look up, she explained. We need this basis in order to love ourselves in a healthy way, not prideful, but with a sincere contentment that we are children of God and that he loves us. With that foundation of self-worth, we are free to love ourselves without reservation. Once we love ourselves, then we are free to love others as children of God, she said, pointing to that center circle. Then she wrote on the next layers of circles, family, friends, neighbors, mankind. We need to make sure our lives are centered on the inner circle, like clay on a potter's wheel. And then we are able to keep the other relationships healthy and balanced. We need to first love ourselves, then we are better able to spread that love to our family, friends, neighbors, and all mankind. She asked us to write three questions in our notebooks and gave us a few minutes to answer them. One, what are my thoughts about myself and my relationship to God? Two, what are my thoughts about God? Three, what are my thoughts about what God thinks of me? I didn't want to write anything. Me and God weren't on good terms. My answers mostly included that I felt insignificant to him and that he feels indifferent towards me. Then she said that our relationship with God is based on our thinking. Shocker, I thought angrily. That's my fault too. Just put it on my tab. Then she gave suggestions and tools to improve our spiritual identity and our relationship with God. As with every aspect of identity, we need to remove the negative and add positive. In order to remove the negative, she suggested that we have a complete conversation or energetic conversation with God, or higher power if you're more comfortable with that. I didn't quite understand what a complete conversation or energetic conversation meant, it was something about having a conversation with God and telling him how you feel, dumping everything and then saying sorry and apologizing for feeling that way and asking for forgiveness. She assured us that doing this won't offend God since it's done with the intent to heal. The complete conversation also helps in adding positive since it includes asking for forgiveness. Other things to add positive include writing a gratitude journal. She challenged us to write 100 things that we're grateful for. She also recommended meditation and prayer and gave us a tool to get more out of our scripture reading. She called it Scripture Instant Messaging. Scripture Instant Messaging includes writing down a question and saying a prayer before beginning to read, then looking for answers to that question as you read the scriptures. The answer may be in the words on the page or themes or simply thoughts that come to your mind as you read. I had mixed feelings as I listened since I had tried some of those things in the past with mixed results. In particular, I had tried writing a gratitude journal, writing a list of five things I was grateful for each night before going to bed. It started out okay, but it was in the midst of this experiment that my first personal earthquake hit. I can look in my gratitude journal and see the exact date of my last entry, May 31st, 2012. The following day, as my world shattered, I couldn't think of anything to be grateful for. I never wrote in it again. Now, unfortunately, I associated my gratitude journal with my world falling apart. I was trying so hard to be good and to do good, and this is what happens? 
The thought of that experience just fueled my anger towards God. This whole spiritual identity thing, trying to reestablish a relationship with God, was going to be a tough one for me. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this section of the book. The next section is available on the following podcast. Please subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. The book Crushed is available on Amazon, and the audiobook version will soon be available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Again, my name is Linda Bjork. You can find more information by searching for Linda Bjork Hope for Healing, Linda Bjork Two Good Things, and Linda Bjork Innovative Joy. In closing, I'd like to leave you with an inspirational quote by Henry Nguyen. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. I hope that today you choose joy. See you next time on Linda's Corner.